Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome into the Mackie and Judd show. We're going to dive into off the top a scoop with Doogie inside information about your favorite local sports teams. And uh, on Purple Daily today, we're going to give you some purple positivity. So if you're not already subscribed to our other podcast, Purple Daily with Mackie and Judd, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. A quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. You can find a full list of all the industries that Federated protects and works with at federatedinsurance.com. And uh, whether it's a pandemic year like this or whether it's, uh, I don't know, a more optimistic and normal year, they have your back as a business owner. They provide peace of mind, resources, and and quite frankly, they measure the success of their own business by the success of your business and how well they're able to help you. So, again, federatedinsurance.com. And just remember that it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Judd and I just gnashing our teeth over political coverage here in the background. So that's why we brought Doogie on. Doogie, we're going to put a quarter in you. If you could just talk for like 20 minutes and give us scoops, we're going to be watching John King awake for three straight days. Give us some Trump (laughs) scoops, okay? Then Biden after that. How amazing is John King, by the way? Good morning, guys. Always appreciate you having me on. That man is a machine. I don't think most people have any sort of grasp on how difficult that is. For those of us who have done some TV, all all three or four of us, Declan, have you done some TV? You've done some on camera. A little bit, yeah. I've done a little TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly hard just to compose yourself with no teleprompter, with, with, you know, no telestrator, right? And he's doing all this ad-libbing, you know, pushing every button. I mean, it was... It was a masterpiece. John King is the man. I can't say that I always watch CNN, but I was glued to CNN on Tuesday night and last night. The map, the maps thing has to be the most difficult, right? Like, because you're basically trying to circle things and make sure you're right. Like the maps thing to me, I'd be done. I'm out well, at maps. You're processing all the information so quickly, right? And you need to have deep knowledge of of all these counties. Like, I can name one county in the state of Arizona, right, Maricopa <laughs> County, but. If you're John King, you need to know all the surrounding counties. You think yeah. about Washington, D.C., Virginia. You know, he's just, he knows everything. And I get it. It's literally his job to know everything. But as somebody who's got no working knowledge of that, watching that take place live action was incredibly, incredibly satisfying. As, as somebody who was thirsting for knowledge, 
And it was incredibly impressive. I know that uh, that John King does other things throughout the year. It's you know they don't just like dust him out once a year, dust him off once a year. But this is like the main reason why he's on CNN's payroll. He's like the Undertaker now for WWE, where he only comes around for WrestleMania and like maybe maybe one other thing. But like, dude, we're gonna pay you millions of dollars, and we just needed to perform this one time, and uh, and he's he's bringing it here. So let's start off, Doogie. You can find Doogie uh, every week on the Scoop Podcast, Apple, Spotify, and ScoreNorth.com. He's also part of the Five Eyewitness News sports team here in the Twin Cities, and he brings inside information about our favorite local sports teams. Let's just start with the other big thing from Tuesday this week: the NFL trade deadline passed. And uh, the Vikings made no further moves after the trade of Unique Ngakwe to the Ravens. So, Doogie, how close from what you're hearing did they get to making a trade? And I think my other question is, Riley Reef is almost certainly going to be a guy that they cut before next season because you can save like $12 million in cap space. So th- so they might wind up cutting Riley Reef and getting nothing in return for him. You know, Why not try and get a fourth-round pick or something for Riley Reef? So what, what are you hearing? Well, Phil, I mean, I'm not quite sure anybody was willing to give a fourth-round pick for Riley Reef. I'm not quite sure anybody was willing to give a seventh-round pick for Riley Reef. Wow. Baltimore loses Ronnie Stanley. He's out for the year. Baltimore made logical sense. The issue was and is that Baltimore doesn't have the cap space to absorb the Reef contract. Tennessee made logical sense going back multiple weeks, but the replacement there at left tackle has played well. So I'm told Tennessee had some dialogue with the Vikings, but nothing came even remotely close. Dallas is out of it, so yeah, Dallas has a need at left tackle, but I don't sense that Dallas ever came remotely close to, to making a trade for, for Riley Reef. So yeah, I don't think they came close at all on Reef. I was wrong on that. I thought he would go. He told some teammates late last week he thought he would go, but I also told you guys last Thursday in this in this conversation that, that somebody from management told Reef that, that he likely wasn't going. So <laughs> even though he thought he was going – he got some indication that he wasn't going, so ultimately he he doesn't go. I know that Tajay Sharp's camp tried to get him to New England. I mean, he's an afterthought. He can't even okay. dress on, on game day. So, you know, they tried to peddle him to New England, but New England made a trade for a different receiver, Anthony Harris. Washington had interest, but too much money. So to answer your question, Phil, they didn't come close to making any sort of trade mm. entering Tuesday's deadline. So, Dukes, was this more of a – they? tried and actually were proactive and and were trying to move guys but couldn't then because if that's the case that's fine the, the thing that I didn't want was you know you beat the Packers and then you see that there is the potential because of COVID to have an or there could be an eighth playoff team added in each conference and then the Vikings say well hold on a second here but if it was door one which is we called teams and tried and couldn't make trades that's fine if it's door two then I think that's dumb well, it was door one on certain guys, Judd. I mean, they were never moving Adam Thielen. I don't know where that chatter came from. They were never moving Harrison Smith. So I don't know where that chatter came from. But, yeah, were they proactive on Reef? Were they proactive to to an extent on Anthony Harris? On some other guy, Sharp? Kyle Rudolph, maybe? Extent, yes, I don't think they came close on Kyle. I don't have an indication that they came close to moving Kyle. I mean, Kyle's name's been out there for years. Yeah, And true. they still keep holding on to him. I <laughs> I don't have a sense that they came close on Kyle. But, yes, were they proactive? I can tell you, Judd, that somebody high up in an NFC front office, this team actually made a trade for, for a defensive lineman. They had some interest in Ngakwe going back a couple weeks. The indication then was, in this team's dialogue with the Vikings, that the Vikings were very open-minded on, on many fronts. But it wasn't Thielen. It wasn't Smith. It was more so Reef 
and Anthony Harris. And Anthony Harris is still due approximately $6.5 million the rest of this season. It's not like a lot of teams are saying, bring on $6.5 million of salary. So, you know, were the Vikings willing to eat some money? You know, I mean, did it make sense to move Anthony Harris to Washington and swap a seventh-round pick for a sixth-round pick, but then needing to eat maybe $2 million? I mean, it just it was too hard to match things up. So I'm telling you, I thought they would. Remember a couple weeks ago, I set the over-under at one-and-a-half trades. I told you last week that at one and a half, I would take the over, but it ends up the, the under ends up winning with just the Ngakwe trade. All right. So one of the things that we sort of nitpick about our friends in the Twin Cities media is there's, just, there's not a lot of people that like to speculate. And there's there's not a lot of people that like to throw theories out and ideas out. And one, one of the many reasons we love Doogie is that he likes to play along, that he likes to throw some things out to, to dive into some reckless speculation. So I would love for Judd. So we spent the entire Purple Daily episode yesterday. We did like a 30-minute deep dive into the specifics of how the Vikings could trade Kirk Cousins to the San Francisco 49ers. And coincidentally, uh, Mike Rand kind of did the same thing in the Star Tribune yesterday. So we, we it's funny, we all we posted our episode the same time he posted his article. And so it's it's definitely a conversation. Judd, if you could give just a quick summation of your four-step plan to Doogie to send Kirk Cousins to the San Francisco 49ers, and then we can get Doogie's thoughts on this. Okay. All right, you guys down for All right, this? let me grab a pen. I'm going to write okay. all this down. Go ahead, okay. So, Dukes, the, the most important thing thing here, and the flawed thing that Mike Rand did, was Mike went back in time and said, what if the Vikings had traded Kirk to the Niners at the deadline? That doesn't work. Cap-wise, that's a nightmare, okay? Like, you're not going to do that because you will cripple your, yourself as the Vikings completely. But let me just tell you that if... The Vikings and San Francisco reunite. I mean, do Kirk a solid by reuniting him with maybe his best friend in the entire world, Kyle Shanahan, that if they then date the trade after June 1st of 2021, Darren, it is, it's a $10 million hit in dead cash. That's a problem, but it's doable. But they save 21 mil. So if you do this trade post June 1st, it's doable. San Francisco has the room. San, San Fran is done with guaranteed uh, cash to Garoppolo. So that's done. So they can take on Kirk. Um, and the most important thing that I was told is if Kirk and his best friend in the entire world are reunited, San Francisco can go to Kirk and say, you and your friend Kyle can work together for a long time as long as you restructure your contract and therefore what looks to be a huge, terrible cap hit in 2022 can come down. Long story short, this is the one team because people say, you know, call Dallas, just call it. Well, Dallas ain't taking him up. This is the one situation where it's not pie in the sky and it actually works. And Kirk Cousins to San Francisco could be a move that, and I, I mean this sincerely, helps every party involved, Kirk included, and the Vikings especially. Well, I, mean, I don't think it's all that reckless when John Lynch is on the record. I forget what podcast. It was an ESPN podcast, right? After last season. It, it was, it was, it was Golik and Wingo. Golik and Wingo. Yeah, okay. yeah. Golik and Wingo. So it wasn't even a podcast. It was the ESPN morning show at the time, the radio morning show. He went on the record laying out how Kyle Shanahan wanted to acquire Kirk Cousins. We know about their history in Washington. 
it makes logical sense. This is not reckless speculation. Now, does it do the Vikings a solid yet? I mean, what's the path then to the Vikings replacing Kirk? I think the schedule sets up brilliantly. If you guys want to write this down, I don't think it's nuts to think that the Vikings are six and six or seven and five heading into the Tampa game. If you want some purple positivity, right? That's a brilliantly. So where are you selecting in the first round to get your hands on the North Dakota state quarterback, the Ohio state quarterback, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence, the BYU quarterback all of a sudden looks like a pretty solid prospect, but you might be picking so far down and you don't have the second round pick to give up, to move up after the Ngakwe trade. Are you giving up multiple future firsts to move up? So I don't know, Judd, if it does. Can I stop you? For one second? Yes. With Mike Zimmer as your head coach, I have decided you are better off just having a cheaper QB. His desire is to run and possess the football. And so unless you're going to change that, if Zim gets his way, Kirk will average somewhere probably between 15 and 20 passes per game the rest of the season that you are talking about. So if, unless you're going to go get a coach who's going to coach a quarterback up and actually value that player, what we have learned is this. In Mike's world, quarterbacks are one thing, necessary evils, okay? So my answer to your question is, I don't care who the quarterback is as long as he doesn't actively sabotage his team and as long as his cap hit can be handled easily. That's my well, answer. okay. But who is that guy? I mean, is it Jameis Winston? Is it Cam Newton? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Not quite sure. You know, I mean, some of those guys are gunslingers, right? So I don't know if, yeah. if some of those guys, if, if, it's not Winston. if any of those guys make any sense. So who is the quarterback? I'd be curious on that front. But do I think it makes logical sense for the 49ers and Vikings to have dialogue about a Cousins trade to the Bay Area? Yeah, 100%. I think we all know at this point Jimmy Garoppolo – is not the long-term answer for the 49ers. He keeps missing games. How many games has he missed? When he plays, heck, he could have won them that Super Bowl, right? But he wasn't capable of doing that when they had a chance to put that game away. He was very much a game manager in the playoffs. Think back to the to the victory over the Vikings. I mean, how many times is it at this point Garoppolo is not the long-term answer there? So it makes sense. I just wonder what the path is for the Vikings replacing Kirk. I do find it kind of funny, like like the narrative surrounding, and even going back to to the John Lynch interview on on Golik and Wingo, or I think it was Golik and Wingo, and this, hey, you know, the the connection that those guys had in Washington, you know, Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan, just like what they had going in Washington. Because when I think of great quarterback and coach connections, when I think of two guys who really are iconic with a franchise, it probably starts with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, and then maybe. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and right in that mix, it's Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins from Washington. Eight and eight, baby. Yes. Hey, let me give you another scenario. So what if Atlanta is picking high enough where it makes sense for Atlanta? So let's say they bring in, let's say they hire Eric Bieniemy. Then don't you say to Eric, okay, who do you want? If they're in a position to draft, say, Justin Fields, does Atlanta, I don't know what Matt Ryan's contractual situation is, but can Atlanta make a transaction with Matt Ryan? Would Matt Ryan appeal to Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco? I would say Matt, I mean, this is me speaking on behalf of Kyle Shanahan, but if you have your choice between Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins, I think you probably choose Matt Ryan in that situation. 
Matt Ryan's a little older, but he just has a lot more credibility leading teams deep into the playoffs. So I think that in Kyle's mind, though, that he can take Kirk and maximize him. And he's probably wrong, but who cares? He's probably wrong, but I, I think I think that Kyle being a coach who prides himself on being great, and he's damn good. I think he looks at Kirk and says, that was my pupil. That was my guy. The other thing to consider here, because, you know, we sit here and, and, and I'm sure Washington fans are maybe listening to some of this, you know, when Kirk's name pops up and thinking, okay, like he is who he is. Like he doesn't, he doesn't raise the level of, he, he fits in perfectly with whatever your structure is, uh, in terms of his level of play. He's not going to elevate it. Uh, once in a while he will shipwreck it as we've seen this season. But if you're San Francisco, and you're in a spot similar to where the Vikings have been at a couple times in the last 15 years. So I think people are wondering why are you guys even like why would San Francisco even consider this quarterback? Because their Super Bowl window is open. Correct. It's still quarterback. Open quarterback beer goggles. That's where they're at. And if they feel like they don't have an option, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a non-starter anymore for them, they could easily look over and Kyle Shannon could say, "All right, there's some flaws with Kirk, but if I could squeeze the most out of Kirk." Yep then we can make this thing work. And I'm not saying that that's what will happen. I'm saying that that's what they might be thinking. I think what will happen, though, is that San Francisco is going to explore upgrading on Jimmy after the season. Is that Matt Ryan? Is that Kirk Cousins? Is that someone else? But I think that is going to happen. So can we deduct logically because of the Kyle Shanahan-Kirk Cousins connection that it makes sense for the Niners and the Vikings to engage in dialogue? 100%. So keep the chatter going. Nice. Amen, brother. Uh, Doogie, let's actually start off this Twins free agency portion of the scoop here with uh, a tweet I just saw from Declan Goff retweeting our friend Bob Nightingale from USA Mm -hmm. Today, right? He says, he says, Cleveland strapped for money. Well, everyone's strapped for money, but Cleveland always strapped for money. Intends to trade all-star shortstop Francisco Lindor by opening day. Several rival teams have been informed. Lindor earned $17.5 million last year and is projected to earn about $21 million in salary arbitration in his final year before free agency. So he has one more year left of team control, and then someone's going to have to pay him about $30 million a year. But uh, the word rival teams is interesting there because I would think that the Twins are one of the foremost rivals of Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- well, there's a better chance I win Powerball this weekend than the Twins trading for, for Francisco Lindor. Uh, Much I can better. See the Dodgers, I can see the Dodgers making a move. Corey Seager's got some position flexibility. Why re-sign Justin Turner? Wow. Shift Seager to, to third base. Now, Seager's up here in a year for, for some big money. But if you're the L.A. Dodgers, why not go chase Francisco Lindor? You certainly have the, the, the pieces to, to make such a transaction. So... You know, just off the top of my head, I'd keep an eye on the L.A. Dodgers. I would not keep an eye on the Twins. But, yes, what Bob said about the Indians likely trading Lindor, it's what we've heard now for about two years. And considering the the climate a lot of these franchises are facing right now, yes, it makes a ton of sense that Cleveland is going to trade Francisco before the start of next year. I've got your splash team. Your Francisco Lindor leader to me easily now. New York Mets. New owner trying to make a splash, incredibly rich, e- even in the midst of a pandemic. And if you take him and put him in that market, it would be huge. I bet you that, that they make a big pitch, and it makes perfect sense. And best case, too, 
He's out of your league, which is fine because he's great to watch play, but he is a pain to play against because he's so good. I bet he yeah, goes I mean, to the Mets. Yeah, you could sell me in the Mets. What about the Yankees? Now, I would think they'd want to re-sign DJ LeMayu. Who wouldn't want to re-sign him? But yeah. you could do some maneuvering if you wanted Lindor to play shortstop for the Yankees. But yeah, everything you lay out about the Mets, I'm with you on that. Steve Cohen is going to spend money for sure. Well, the, so so free agency is uh, is ready to rock here in baseball. They're not going to have the customary winter meetings that where everyone just goes and gets drunk and makes trades with each other in early December. Uh, they're going to do. They're just going to go on Zoom calls. But what? What do you have any idea what the Twins' plan might be? Starting with internal guys who are free agents. I mean, Nelson Cruz is the obvious one. Jake Odorizzi. Um, what is the appetite for them to look to upgrade their roster? What's the payroll going to look like? What do you know about the Twins going into the offseason? I can go myriad directions on Odorizzi. I can tell you absolutely wants to be back on Nelson Cruz. There's continuous dialogue. Thad Levine is the point person in the Twins front office handling the Nelson Cruz negotiation. So, yeah, do the Twins want to bring back Nelson? Yes. Are they to the point of of exchanging numbers or anything like that? Absolutely not. If you're the Nelson Cruz camp, you're still awaiting word whether the National League adopts the DH next year, right? If they do, you know, then maybe the Braves become a possibility. That could take months, though, dude. A different National League team. It could, or the Reds. So, sure. I mean, if the Twins made a two-year offer right now for Nelson – a pretty good money. Do I think he'd take it? Yes, but we're not we're not to that point. The Twins are still awaiting some direction from, from Major League Baseball, right? And we still don't know, like in the heart of the summer, let's say, you know, Memorial Day weekend, the Twins are hosting the Yankees. Can they have 35,000 people at Target Field? I mean, that sounds unlikely, but maybe. So, like, if you knew some of those things, you think about the Twins' TV contract expiring. Is it is it in a year, Judd? It's not now, but it's like in a year, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. You know, what are those negotiations going to look like with Fox Sports North? You know, so, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things the Twins still need to figure out, but I think we know this much. What was their payroll, opening day payroll last year if they had played a full season? I think about it was like, $140 million? Yeah, like one, 138 or something. Yeah, something like that. All right, well, we know it's not going to be that in 2021. I don't know what the magic number will will end up landing on. But I can tell you, it's not going to be $138 million for 2021. So the important thing here to me, though, is is this. Payrolls across the sport are going to crash. Like, it's just, it's unfortunate, but it's going to uh, take place. So here's what I think we're, we're not discussing enough, though, is because of that, my advice to players right now Bag, take what you can get. Unless, unless you're Bauer, unless you are an upper echelon, I, you know, I'm great and there's five teams that love me. Odo, Nelson Cruz, I would come back and say, one year deal, please and thank you. And I would shut up and I would sign it. And it sounds bad, but guys, free agency started on Sunday. No one's talking. And, and I mean, I know it's always a slow roll, okay? But we are we we are in a pandemic in which we have very very rich people billionaires who are panicked. They are panicked. They, their sports aren't doing well. Their businesses, which got them rich, are not doing well. If I'm a player, guys, for 2021, I take what I can get. I I shut my mouth and I hope that we come out in 2022 and things are back or 23. That's it. 
It, it sounds good. I can tell you that, that there are conversations. Your like dog's very upset. Your, uh, dog, the, your dog is not yeah, getting a good contract. Sorry, Fire. Scooby! Scooby, come in the tree, buddy. Scooby! Scooby, here, no buddy. contract. No contract, Scooby, dude. Sign here. the one-year deal. Come here. Qualifying come here. offer, Scooby. Say hi to the boys. Up, up. Yeah, let's see him. Come on, Scoops. Up, up. Scooby, who's a good boy? Yeah, who's a good boy? Great dog name. Oh. Scooby and Doogie. Scooby. Scooby and Doogie Scoobs. Pod. Scoobs. <laughs> oh, look He's at Scooby. Oh, yeah, Scooby's great. Look at him. Look, hi, that, look at that big smile. Oh, yeah. Scooby. He's a monster anyway. I can tell you, there, there are conversations. The Twins have reached out to the, to the agency that represents Charlie Morton, that represents Corey Kluber, so... The Twins are planting seeds on guys in addition yeah. to their own guys like Trevor May and Tyler Clippert. I mean, the Twins are, are talking to agents, so talk is happening, Judd. We're not even remotely close, though, to the point of, of numbers being exchanged, right, where, where actual contractual offers mm-hmm. are being extended. So I hear you. Take what you can get. I remember last winter or late fall, Atlanta was uber-aggressive early. Atlanta was really aggressive signing some guys, including Will Smith, really, really early. So, yeah, if a guy gets an offer that maybe seems underwhelming, but for, for the landscape that we're in, you know, like if Jake Odorizzi today got a one-year offer for $8 million, if I'm Jake Odorizzi, I'd probably jump on that. That might sound asinine, but, yeah, I would probably do that. But I don't know. And we just said we think that Cohen with the Mets is going to spend. Some other teams will spend. But I just don't know. I haven't heard of teams actually extending legitimate offers at this point. It's still early, but at this point. So we still need to let this thing play out a little bit, Joe. But I can tell you, actual talk is happening. Man, what a what an interesting – it kind of feels like the Twins are in a little bit of a transition mode and that they're going to have to say goodbye to some familiar faces and welcome the Brent Rookers for full-time roles and Alex Kirloff for a full-time role. But those guys might not be fully ready over the course of a season – uh, so we'll see. Hey, do you have a couple minutes for one more piece of speculation here? I do. Can I also pass along an email I just got? I think everybody got this. This is an announcement. Joe Rossi, Gophers defensive coordinator, has tested positive for COVID-19. He will not coach Saturday in Champaign. Hmm. I thought he got fired. Good. I'm <laughs> glad he still has a job. Yeah, I was He's say- actually a good coach. Oh, Those yeah. Guys can't tackle. Maybe it runs counter clock to, to yeah, what you're saying. He certainly hasn't tested positive for good third down defense. So that's 1,000 a- plus oh, no. yards can, in two games will make you sick. Can Scooby play a linebacker on Saturday, dude? <laughs> yeah, well, trust me. He's he's more capable of tackling than some of those guys. I mean, those linebackers and safeties need all sorts of work. But I will say this much. These guys can recruit. They have a bunch of really good defensive recruits coming in in the 2021 class. I would not jump ship, right? On the Gophers. I don't know if they get to four or five wins. I thought they'd win on Friday. How they blew a 38-21 to 21 lead is, is still beyond me. They're going to give up a ton of points all year. It's something we talked about a month ago. But I think the offense is good enough. We'll end up winning some games. But I'm telling you, this staff recruits at such a high level. Just give it some time. I get it. The bar is high after what they did last year. But they'll be fine next year when, when hopefully some semblance of, of normalcy with, with a full spring practice with, you know, winter workouts, summer workouts into a full training camp. I think they'll be okay next year. Yeah. All right, this gentleman, this is a write-up, just a summary from Yahoo Sports, all right? Reckless speculation for you. Devin Booker said in 2018, quote, this is two years ago, Devin Booker said, this is probably my last year ever not making the playoffs. Well, the Suns missed the playoffs in 2019, 
Uh, despite going 8-0 and in the bubble restart, they missed the playoffs again in 2020, and they have yet to finish above 500 with Devin Booker. Ryan Russillo, who has a lot of connections, and so does Bill Simmons in the NBA. Ryan Russillo on the Bill Simmons podcast, quote, the worst kept secret in the league is Booker already wants out of Phoenix. He's in the, I think, second year of a five-year contract. Two of his best friends in the world are Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. We have brought this up before on the show. The 8-0 start to the bubble probably makes it tough for them to trade him this offseason. But Doogie, what are your thoughts on this nugget from Ryan Russillo? The Wolves will continue to monitor Devin's situation in Phoenix. I can promise you that. that Gerson Rosas is going to continually check on Devin's availability. Do I think that Phoenix moves Devin before the start of next season, which looks like it'll start on December 22nd? I don't. I see Devin Booker starting next season on the Phoenix Suns, but if they get off to a slow start, do we potentially revisit the situation in February or March? Maybe so, but I don't have the sense that Devin is quite to that point. Rosillo is great. I know he's got all sorts of contacts, but then you talk to some people in Phoenix that have great contacts. There's there's an afternoon radio host that I've I've hopped on his show before. John, I forget his last Gambo. name. Gambo. Yeah, Gambo. And and I know Gambo's got unbelievable sources in in the ownership group of of the Phoenix Suns. Gambo is now on record saying that Rosillo is full of you know what. And I'm I'm inclined to believe Gambo more so on this than Rosillo. So I don't think it's as dire as as Rosillo is is laying out. But yeah, I mean, much like teams, hey Phil, guess what? This isn't breaking news. Teams across the league continue to monitor Cat's situation here. It's true. The Wolves are not to the point of it's trading true. Cat. Cat has not gone to management requesting a trade, but it's hard not to wonder when you have a really good player, a superstar in a small market on a team that hasn't won, that if that player eventually looks to, to find you know a happier situation. So, yes, our team's monitoring Devin's situation, including the Wolves, 100%. Our team's monitoring Cat's situation here, 100%. So as the draft approaches, Dukes, NBA stars um, who are actively right now being shopped against who you think actually does potentially get moved before we start in December? I think Victor Oladipo gets moved in Indiana. I can see Drew Holiday getting moved, although I'll read you what one team, not the Wolves, told me about Drew's availability in New Orleans. I know that Shams with the Athletic had that report yesterday. Let me read you this text. Actually, Dex, Dex, do you have a soundbite? Is that what no, you're No, I was just saying I, I have something to add to the, to oh. the, to the steam of, of Timberwolves speculation, Beautiful. but I want Doogie to finish. Cool. They want too much for us to give up. We do like him. And then, yeah. I'll so that's not the, the Wolves, that's show. another team, Dukes? That's another team, okay. yeah. But it's 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 to the point of, you know, teams are putting out feelers. You're going to see. I mean, can I see because Holiday's only got one year left on his deal? Can I see him eventually getting traded? Sure. But I think it's more, you know, New Orleans putting out feelers, seeing if, if some team is willing to, to pay a, a, a huge price. And if so, then you make the deal. But I don't get the sense that New Orleans is aggressively – you know, looking to move Drew Holiday in the next, you know, 72 hours or anything like that. Doogie, yeah, I saw a name in Zach Lowe's report today that we haven't heard much of, and he said Jarrett Culver's name has entered the rumor mill, and he reports that my best read is the Wolves would deal Culver now only in a blockbuster trade for a star or a high draft pick. He also asks, does the Wolves get involved in a sign-in trade for Danilo Gallinari? Would do you know anything about that? Well, I mean, remember how creative they got back in February involving 
the Nuggets, the Rockets. It was it was multiple transactions. It wasn't just a 14 trade. It was actually two different trades. So yes, can I see the Wolves doing all sorts of things like that, including you know getting involved for for a free agent, whether it's Gallinari or someone else in a sign and trade scenario? Yes, 100%. Declan, do I have specific Gallinari scheme right this second? Not necessarily, but is he a is he a good fit with this roster? 100%. So does he make sense? He does. Do I think the Wolves remove Culver? Yes, especially if it's Culver and something else to get them a, a legitimate third star. They're not married to Jared Culver. They know all the warts that Jared Culver has. Heck, they just redid his shot. So they don't even know what the heck his jump shot <laughs> is supposed to be. We don't know if Jared Culver's ever going to be a capable shooter. The work ethic is there. I wouldn't give up on Culver. But at this point, as the sixth overall pick, there's not a whole lot there. So, yeah, would the Wolves move on from Culver if it brings back the right player? Yes, undoubtedly. They, it's not like they're married to that guy, even though the contract is still a rookie contract. And the hope is he, he improves a lot in year two compared to year one. And, again, I'm telling you, I would not write the final chapter on Jared Culver. But make no mistake, the Wolves would absolutely move Jared Culver. Yeah. Dukes, give us some rapid-fire scoops to, to wrap the segment here. Go ahead. So the Wolves, it's been reported, were, were out west last week. We know that they saw LaMelo Ball in person, that they saw Anthony Edwards in person. Here's a name that they saw in person that isn't out there that I'll give you right now. Tyrese Halliburton, the Iowa State combo guard, can play on the ball, off the ball. I'm told they connected with him out west last week. I'm told that they're trying to get in with Obi Toppin. Maybe they already did, the kid from Dayton. Uh, but I know that there's interest in connecting with him in person. They're, they're allowed up to 10 draft visits. I don't know if the Wolves are going to use all 10, but they certainly want to use at least a few more. They'd love to go visit James Wiseman, the big man from Memphis. But at this point, there's just there's no inclination from the Wiseman camp to allow James to, to meet with the Wolves, to connect with the Wolves. Because Wiseman, while he could coexist with Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think it's the most ridiculous thing ever. He just he prefers to be somewhere else where where he's the feature five man, right? Like if he comes here, he's maybe the four man guarding fours out on the perimeter, depending on how you want to use Carl Anthony Towns. He'd be the the third, who knows, maybe even fourth option, right? He he doesn't want to be that here. So the Wolves, I know, want to connect with him. Maybe it still happens, but at this point. The Wolves have not connected with James Wiseman. Right. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson. You can find his Scoop Ooh. podcast every single week on ScoreNorth.com, Apple, Spotify, 5 Eyewitness News. That was a great Scoop session. Bye, Scooby. Light a cigarette. Bye, Scoops. See you, Scoops. Oh, and, hey, boys. And bye, Dukes. <laughs> yeah, bye, Judd. See ya. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, Scooby wow. is great. Um, Scooby and Scooby and... Scooby and Doogie. Scoobs and Dukes. Scoobs and Dukes. Doing it up. So, all right, let's uh, let's take a moment to collect our, ourselves here. <laughs> let's let's react to a couple things that Doogie just brought up, and also we've been kicking this idea around for a little while, and and I think um, I think this is the week. Now that we've got Twins entering the off season, we've got the NBA draft coming up, the NFL trade deadline was just a couple of weeks ago. It's time to expand our reckless speculation umbrella. We are a show of the people. We are here as conduits to the fun scenarios that could and oftentimes in this state do happen. I mean, this is a this is a collection of teams that has gone out and flown a plane down for Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. They've signed Josh Donaldson, Kirk Cousins. I mean, a lot of things happen in this state, and we like to speculate on those things. And so we're also going to, on today's episode of Mackie and Judd, debut Who Says No? 
under the reckless speculation umbrella. <laughs> Taking it to another step. Yes, we are. Because you know what? We're not afraid to tackle the tough discussions. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back in just a quick moment on Mackie and Judd. You want reckless speculation? You know this thing will happen. How about reckless trade speculation? We might just want to brand Thursdays on Mackie and Judd. Reckless Speculation Thursdays. We've got Doogie with his scoop segment every Thursday. I think we just devote the whole show to reckless speculation on Thursdays. Would you guys be opposed to that? No. Why I'm would all we, for it. Why would anyone on this show ever be opposed? So this to is, the art. This to is the a democracy. Art, I just want to run The art of reckless <laughs> speculation. Because, make no mistake, it is an art form. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. And we, we specialize in that art form. So, all right, let's let's start with just a couple of things Doogie brought up, and then we're going to get to a brand new segment within Reckless Speculation called Who Says No? We have a couple different nominations. If you are a listener of the show, if you watch us on YouTube.com slash ScoreNorthMN, and you have ideas or things you want to float or reports that you see that you think could or should pertain to Minnesota sports teams, we would love to take those ideas and hash them out on this show. And uh, and we'll, yeah. we'll 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 do it in a fun way. Mm-hmm. So um, the the first thing that he said was the Vikings probably weren't going to even like the, he he didn't think the Vikings were really had a market for Riley Reef that like even a seventh round pick. And I find that I'm not I'm not at all like critiquing Doogie's reporting on this. Right. I'm just saying you're telling me a really good above average, especially this year. He's an above average left tackle. He's having a really good season. Riley Reef is sure. You're telling me that nobody, like the Baltimore Ravens who just lost a left tackle, even teams that need right tackles, because he's played right tackle before, wouldn't float a six-round pick for Riley Reef. I'm just kind of curious about that. Well, he, he said that Baltimore is up against the cap, which means that they would have That's had to uh, clear some room. Um, and, and then I do think that there's a genuine concern that the salary cap is going to come down so low that if the guy has a contractual obligation for 2021, that could become a problem, too. That being said... <sighs> See, I struggle to believe that you couldn't have moved him for something. And and I struggle with the fact that you wouldn't want to plug Ezra Cleveland in at left tackle for the rest of this year, if possible. So that's sort of why I, I was all in on taking at least two guys, um, Reef and Kyle, and moving them. Because it was going to open up playing time for people that, if I'm the Vikings, I want to play badly. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to bench Reef. So it's not like, uh, well, I did. I couldn't trade him. So Ezra, the job is yours. And Riley, you're benched. So that's why I can completely see shopping guys that are really good players and then saying, OK, I can't get what I consider to be a fair return for those players. So I'm not going to just give them away. I get that one. But there were two or three guys who I would have been very intent on saying, give me anything you want, and I, I will trade them. And with Reef, that sounds harsh. But to your point, Phil, he's not coming back. And the secondary point is, I want Ezra Cleveland to play left tackle. I also think the the main dynamic that might be driving some of this conservative stuff at the trade deadline for the Vikings is the fact that they think they can get back in it. And the NFL is discussing adding an eighth playoff team to each league. Yeah. They've got the... The injured and and now Matt Stafford might not play this weekend with because he's on the COVID list. I mean, are they are they looking after that win? Because they you know Mike Zimmer said after the win against Green Bay, listen, like whatever we do on Tuesday, this win has no impact on that. Sure. I don't think that's true. I think if they were to have lost to the Packers, they for sure pull the trigger on at least one trade going into Tuesday. 
But I think they beat the Packers. They love their formula, mm-hmm. and they're looking at their schedule the next two months and seeing a ton of home games against bad teams, a Bears team that can't figure out its quarterback situation. And I think the path to getting back toward 500 is enticing for the Vikings, and and I think it prevented them from making a trade or two. If that is the case, why? If they did not make a trade for the reasons, Phil Mackey, that you just stated, then people should be fired because this is why you have a GM and a coach. You don't have the coach run the roster because of what you just said. The GM is in charge of knowing when to cut the team off at the knees. And this is a Vikings team that if you are a responsible GM, you do that. Now, here's why I fear that what you said is accurate, though. Spielman's greatest investment is in one guy, the quarterback. And the more success that this team has with that quarterback, the better he feels and probably looks. So I'm going to tell you that what you said to me offends me greatly, but I don't think it's, it's necessarily wrong, which is a problem. This is, this is why I am pro-GM and not pro, hey, Zim runs the, the whole thing. Because a coach never thinks in terms of the long play. But if you looked at that win against the Packers and the potential to add an eighth team in each conference to the playoff picture and the fact that the Vikings do have a schedule where they can start to almost just trip into wins, it's going to come back. It's going to come back to the Mackey and Judd disclaimer, which at the beginning of every time we talk about this, which is, are we talking about getting into the playoffs or are we talking about a Super Bowl potential championship? I mean, I I legitimately think the Vikings are obsessed with just making sure that they don't have train wreck seasons, and I and I think in a, in a lot of ways that's been a benefit to the fans and and to the team. You know, they they regularly go ten and six, eleven and five, eight and eight, all right, seven and nine, but it's it's just it's never two and fourteen, it's never three and thirteen. The only three and thirteen or worse season. Mm-hmm. In the last 30 years was 2011 after after the Brett Favre era came to a halt. They switched coaches. They had salary cap issues. But part of the issue is when you when you when it's time to pay the piper with your salary cap and you've pushed stuff forward and you've rolled stuff into the future and you've restructured guys at some point, all of that comes to a head and it came to a head for the Vikings going into this season. And they tried to smooth some of it out with a Kirk Cousins restructure, but like they are still very much pressed up against the salary cap, especially when it comes down in 2020. And uh, and that's fine if you're doing that in order to win big and win a Super Bowl. And the Vikings had their shot three years ago in 2017, but ultimately they failed. And now they don't have enough flexibility to improve their current structure and roster through free agency. So you almost have no choice but to take a step back. And I'm fine with that. You know, Bill Belichick came out this week publicly in New England and said, yeah, we've just been kind of like putting off our salary cap situation and rolling stuff forward and uh, pressing ourselves up against that ceiling. But we did it to win three Super Bowls. And so it's fine. And now the Patriots probably have to take a step back and now they're losing some games and whatnot. And um, and they're going to have to go into a little bit of a rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like the Vikings don't want to confront that reality that no, 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 we beat the Packers. We're two and five. Like we can do this. We're gonna, we're gonna beat the Lions. And like, okay, even if you get red hot, you're eight and eight. The will cool. The, the Wilfs goal since they bought this team, and and it sounds good 
and in a lot of ways it does make sense, but it's also a bit of a problem now. The Wolf's goal since they bought this team is to be competitive every year and and have the illusion, even if it's not true, that they can win a championship. And if you qualify for the playoffs, you feel that way. You're, you're like, well, we qualified for the playoffs, and once we get into the playoffs, what's the old thing? Anything can happen, right? So... Since they bought this team in 2005, their goal has been to be good enough to make the playoffs. The problem is, does anybody then come to them and say, okay, this is fun. I mean, your teams are are consistently pretty good. But do you want that, or do you want to win a championship? And the art of this to me, and it's tough, but it's knowing when the window is opening and when it's closing. And that's why I the Cousins thing to me, was a good shot. You took your shot. You shot your shot. It didn't work. But the window on what Cousins was supposed to do has closed now. And so to string this along like a marriage gone bad and to continue to trot him out there to me is where really, really, really smart teams say it's time to draw that line now. And how can we get to a place where we can try this again to win a championship, not just be not just win 10 games? Yeah. Amen. And, uh, you know, and, and also it could it be that they they shop some of these guys and teams are just like, honestly, our cap situation's kind of screwed and um, we're just not going to be able to afford it. And we just don't want to give up a draft pick like that's possible, too. Maybe they are thinking this way, sure. but time will tell. Uh, there, there is definitely a, and we're going to talk about this on Purple Daily today, Apple, Spotify, Scornorth.com and YouTube. But um, there is a clear path for the Vikings to flirt with 500 when you start to look at some of the issues that other teams have on their schedule. I just don't think they should drink their own Kool-Aid too much in 2020. But let's let's jump into the new segment. Reckless speculation. Who says no? You send us either things that you guys find on the internet, rumors, if you find things on podcasts like Rusillo on Bill Simmons, or if you've got your own trade idea, we want it. We want to build this thing out. And uh, and we want to have fun with our reckless speculation brand, hashtag brand, trademark, all right? This one, we got this one a few weeks ago from our former intern, Duncan Goldberg, who uh, interned for the show like three or four years ago. TV guy now, right? TV star somewhere. He's yeah. been uh, doing local TV. I think he was in Ohio at one point. Uh, Duncan, give us another shot. Let us know where you're doing TV. But uh, I'm going to read this DM verbatim here. He's sure. a big Timberwolves guy. I need some deep, reckless speculation thoughts from you guys. I love how Doogie mentioned, this is again a few weeks ago, landing uh, Mitchell Robinson and the eighth pick from the Knicks for the number one. Let me stop right there for a second. So Mitchell Robinson was a second round pick by the Knicks a couple years ago, and he has emerged into kind of a Tyson Chandler 2.0. He's seven feet tall. He blocks a ton of shots. He had the highest field goal percentage in the NBA last year. He shot like 73% from the field, just interior stuff. So he rebounds, he blocks shots, and he can get up and down the floor a little bit. Now, he's not really an outside shooter, but just like a great rim-protecting defensive just beast who doesn't make any money because he was a second-round pick, all right? And so you would get him and the eighth pick from the Knicks for the number one overall pick if the Knicks wanted LaMelo Ball or you know whatever splash they wanted to make as they retool their uh, organization. I think the Wolves might have to add like Josh Okoge, Duncan writes, or something extra to that trade to make it work. But that could be sexy. Would you guys trade the number one overall pick? Mm-hmm. And or let me ask it this way: Who says no? All right, because that's the segment. Yeah. 
do the Knicks say no or do the Timberwolves say no? Mitchell Robinson and the eight for the number one and like a Josh Akogi piece. Do they want so that so Tibbs and the Knicks supposedly want ball, correct? Pretty badly. I, I believe that they have uh, expressed through back channels a desire to get ball. Um, I say I I say I say yes to this. If you're the Knicks, if I'm the Knicks, yes, I say yes. And if I'm the Wolves, I actually like it. I think it works for both because if you're the Knicks and you really want that, if you think there's a superstar at the top that can help put, you know, marketing dollars and butts in the seats when whenever that's allowed again and can lead your franchise, I like it because Mitchell Robinson is not a franchise leading star type player. He's a great complimentary piece. Yes. And could be for the Timberwolves if you had that rim protecting guy. That the, and you know what, what, what you're going to get with him, correct? I yes. think so. That's and, the and nice upset. thing. Yep. Uh, and if the Wolves thought, you know what? There's not really, like, we already have Towns and we've got D'Angelo Russell as our two stars. Yep. And it's kind of a crapshoot at the top of the draft. So let's get, let's get a quantifiable asset in Mitchell Robinson and then still get a potentially really good role player with the number eight overall pick with some upside. I actually think both teams might say yes to this. I like it. It could be kind of fun. I like it. And, and I think that Tibbs, Tibbs being Tibbs, I think would say yes, because I think Tibbs is going to be intent on trying to get his guys, right? Uh, yeah, and it's funny because Mitchell Robinson seems like a very Tibbs-like guy. He does. Right? Seems like right, you know, but rim protector. Right, but if you get the top pick and you think you can turn him into a star, I don't know. Yeah. I say yes. Okay, then Duncan continues. <laughs> He says, okay, let's say this trade happens. And now, so now the Wolves, have, they've got Mitchell Robinson and they've got the eight. And I believe they have the 17th as well. Okay. And the Wolves also have the first pick in the second round. Imagine if the Wolves then turn around right away and trade the eighth pick, the 17th pick, the first pick in the second round. Wow. And maybe another piece or two to the Washington Wizards who send Bradley Beal to the 76ers because. New front office head Daryl Morey wants three point shooters. We would assume. Oh, and you're getting your guy. And then in a three way deal, <laughs> the 76ers send Ben Simmons to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You want reckless speculation? Oh, you, can't. you know this thing will happen. How about reckless trade speculation? Oh, so you would. So if all right, let's play this out. So you would effectively, and I'm going to say, uh, who says no? Are you the? If you're the Timberwolves, would you say yes or no to this? So you would effectively, if all of this went down, it'd be like a four-team trade. Yep. You'd be trading the first overall pick, the 17th, the 33rd, and let's say like Josh Okoge and maybe another future asset. Sure. Could be Jarrett Culver or something, all right? Mm-hmm. And in return, so you're trading two first-round picks, a second-round pick. He also says, uh, throw in another future first-rounder here. We can split hairs over some of this. And Josh Okoge. And in return, you'd be getting Mitchell Robinson and Ben Simmons. So two guys who do not shoot threes, but two guys who do a lot of other great things, while D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns shoot threes and score and handle the basketball too. Would you do it? Oh my God, this is mind blown. Play play the sounder again. I mean, it's almost too much to comprehend this. Because of how this league operates, and look, the price is steep. I completely get that. But because of how this league operates and I have my two key pieces in place and now I can add a potentially third very key piece Phil Mackey if I'm the Timberwolves I say yes dude I do too I think I do too oh my god yes. so your starting lineup would be yes you'd have Mitchell Robinson at the five you'd have Carl Anthony Towns as the stretch four mm-hmm. which is fine yep 
you would. I mean, that's basically Actually works what he great. wants to play anyway. Right? Yeah, works yep. fantastic. And I love then it. they can they can play matchups on defense however they need to. You would have Ben Simmons as the three, but also he'd be like like LeBron James is a three, but he's kind of the point guard. So you you just have a, a gigantic ball handling guy that can open up lanes for D'Angelo Russell, sure. who'd be your two or your point guard. Um, I guess your two or your one. Yeah, that's fine. Playing off the ball sometimes. Yep. And um, then literally anybody else would be right. Wh- whoever else they'd want to put in as a fourth. That is a team right that's there. That's a lineup. Yeah. And they're all young. They're all, I think, like under the age of 25. So if you could, oh my God. And think about, yeah, and think about the, how the league operates. And if those are your starters, I think you're in pretty good shape. Dude, I think you're in really good shape, aren't you? Mitchell Robinson's on, he has two years left on his rookie deal that pay him $1.6 million. So, yeah, he's, so he's making chump change. He makes nothing, so he fits completely perfectly in your cap. Now, if he's as good as he has been, he's a, he's about to make a lot of money in like two years. But you worry about that in two years. Yeah, if you, if yeah. you can't pay him, you can you can trade him for another asset. But, Absolutely, I love that. But that, I think that's the type of thing, like if you could turn some of these, this is an uncertain draft, if you could take some of these uncertain draft capital pieces, the first overall pick, a mid-first round, an early second round, if somebody else sees treasure in those picks and you can get a known commodity under the age of like 25 or 26, yes, whoo boy. I'm with you on this. All right, what else? What else we got? I got one. I've been toying with, with this thought for probably two weeks. I have not broached it anywhere. Oh. So you don't know what's coming, what's about to hit you, okay? First of all, I would like to say that the who says no brand in the reckless speculation world is not an endorsement. Okay, so I'm not endorsing this. I am going yeah, to you just float it out. I'm there. going to float this out there. Yeah. But I've been thinking about this for about two or three weeks. Okay, so let's say that the the Wilfs decide. You know what, Spielman, Zim, it's been great. We signed you to new contracts, but it's just not working as well. We're just done. We're sorry. One thing that I've always been convinced that the Wilfs are fascinated by is because they grew up and have loved, and I contend still love, the Giants, right? They are Parcells guys through and through. They love the fact that Zim, the reason why Zim tells us that he calls Parcells constantly is because the Wilfs love that. They love to hear, you call Parcells? Oh, that's all. When's the last time you talked to Bill? What's Bill doing today? Is Bill out at the racetrack? Is Bill fishing? Oh, this is great, Mike. Tell us more. Tell us some Parcells stories. Lawrence Taylor stories. Hold on a second. Let's pull up some popcorn. All right. What was Phil Sims like? Uh, No, that's true. I mean, you, you just hit it. So, who says no to this? It's just time to sever ties. So Mike's gone and Rick's gone. Now you're looking for a guy to run your football operations and potentially coach your team. And you love the Giants. Meanwhile, let me tell you a story, boys. Out East, there's a guy who has been with the same organization for 21 years. And they've had an unbelievable run. Oh, my God. Unbelievable run. But you know what? But you know what? Oh, my God. As the late, great George Harrison once told us, all things must pass. and therefore. After 21 years, at the age of 68, Bill Belichick has decided wow. it's time for a new adventure. I feel like the fir- the first ever Who Says No segment has already gone to new heights. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. already jumped the shark. And, and I bring up the Parcells connection <laughs> because who knows Bill and who had more success with Bill and who who is if Bill has if Parcells has one student 
who has become Danielson, right? It's Bill Belichick. Who says no? Went on to own his own car dealership in the Valley. Exactly got right. Into another, uh, got into another spat with Allie. Johnny Lawrence. Allie's coming back for season three. Allie oh, with I an eye. Wait for Colby. Allie with an eye coming back. Anyway, who says no to the thought of giving the keys to, to the operation? So it starts with him being allowed to run the team and make the football calls. Who says no to Bill Belichick for a new adventure well, in Minnesota? Starting, uh, I'll start here, the Patriots. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it's 21 years. It's been a great run. It, it, it's just uh, all things must change so you, at some point in time. Well, I mean, if you're asking... Would I be interested in swapping Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman but he's for, 60, let's say, five years of of 68-year-old Bill Yeah, Belichick. he's not a young man. Yes, I would do that swap. And, I mean, honestly, the best-case scenario would be if Bill gets a little bit bored with coaching and he wants to delegate some stuff. Like, he can still be the head coach, but if he wants to delegate a bunch of stuff to a bright young assistant, I don't know if he could bring Josh McDaniels along with him. Probably not. Um, but, like, whoever that would be, like, groom the next guy. If you're going to be the Pat Riley and you're leaving the Lakers and the Knicks and you're coming to the Heat, okay, we might need to coach for a few minutes in the early 2000s, but who's your Eric Spolstra? That's what I would want to know. So, But you could also make this case, like there are 25-plus teams in the league that would want to get their hands on Bill Belichick. So I think it would depend on Bill Belichick having a falling out with Robert Kraft or just like wanting a change of scenery. Exactly. I don't even know how that transaction would start to take yeah, place. It's happened before. But Lombardi left the Packers. I like where you're going with the East Coast Bill Bill Parcells connection here. But um, I don't think you need that for any any competent owner to say, yeah, Bill Belichick would be great to come run our football. And he's 68, <laughs> and there there might be teams that that say, yeah, but but you know he he's not an offensive guy. He's been doing this a long time. We're we're trying to find the next, let's say, Sean McVay. Um, I'm just saying, you know, let's say it's a final five year run. I like it. Amazing. Reckless speculation. Who says no? I actually have one more that's not really a who says no, but it's worth bringing up this athletic report about Eddie Rosario. We were talking about Twins free agency and payroll and stuff. So this is the MLB trade rumors summation. The Twins could try to move outfielder Eddie Rosario this offseason, but the 29-year-old, quote, has very little trade value (laughs) and is a clear non-tender candidate. Our friend Dan Hayes at The Athletic writes. So... Rosario made $7.9 million in arbitration last year. He's probably going to make between like 9 and $12 million, somewhere in there for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. I agree with Dan. I don't know that there's much trade value. He doesn't really get on base. He puts up good run production numbers. He's not the best defensive outfielder anymore either. He's kind of dropped off the last three or four years. So um, he's a valuable piece because he's, he can be a clutch and street when good streaky hitter. But how do you guys feel about the prospects of, oh, man, got to find some money somewhere, especially if you want, like, Nelson Cruz to come back or if you want Trevor Bauer conversations to be real. Right. You got to find money somewhere. I don't love the idea of just getting nothing for Eddie Rosario, though. So, ordinarily, I would say that if the Twins non-tendered him and he didn't come back, they they should be ripped. Like, you can't do that with that player i mean it would be an ultimate to me ordinarily is the key term here cheap move that being said i think with the winter that we're about to embark on that that's exactly going to be the case and and look that's the problem here is that i am convinced that for the most part we are going to see guys salaries crash um so it's not going to me it's not going to be a cheap thing it's going to be a baseball thing um 
I don't like the thought of not getting something in return for him, but I think that we need to brace ourselves around baseball to see a lot of guys like him just get let go. And the problem that he's going, that Rosario is going to have, I think, is this. I think he's going to take himself to market then and find out there's nothing there. Like, yeah. like there's a one-year, just halfway decent deal, but if he thinks I'm gone from the Twins and now I'm going to go sign this great yeah, he'll make like five million dollars or something. He's not going to. Yeah. He's not going to. This is this is about to be. Baseball will now start a cycle. I really believe this, and football is going to follow exactly the same. Free agency is going to be slower, and guys are going to get their comeuppance if they if the majority of people who hit the market think they're going to get paid. Okay, then let me ask you guys this. We'll start with Dex on this one. So, if you had to make a choice between Eddie Rosario at $12 million for just one year mm-hmm. or Nelson Cruz, 40-year-old Nelson Cruz at $12 million for just one year, who's on your team next year? Probably Nelson Cruz. Just because he's an overall better player and he can get on base and he hits bombs. Um the the only reason that I'm against Nelson Cruz is he can only play DH. Like he can't play in the field at all. And also the, the the twins have players that you could rotate into DH. Like you have a Garver that could play DH. You have a Sario who could play DH. You have a lot of players who you could mix in there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though Nelson Cruz is, you know, the last two years has been one of the best players in baseball at 41 years old. I feel like it's blocking opportunities for guys like Brent Rooker and Mitch Garver and Ryan Jeffers to have DH opportunities. But if you're gunned in my head, who do I want? For just the one season, Rosario or Cruz, I would still take Nelson Cruz. Agreed completely. And the, the th- thing is, I checked on this too. Um, the issue with the National League adopting the DH, it's going to take months. Like we're, it's going to take the winter. It's going to be, it's going to be probably um, towards spring training. So he won't and know. So he's not going to find out. So he and he is also going to have to take a deal that is going to be uh, to be in line with what teams offer, as opposed. Like, I mean, he, he wants a two-year contract. It's not going to be much. So, but I'm I'm with Dex here. I think that if you had a choice between those two, and I think the, the one thing about Cruz that also makes a substantial difference here is this one. He is such a good clubhouse guy that I don't think it can be dismissed. Yeah. And and look, I, I, I know that there's lots of guys who probably fit in line with that. But I think I think Cruz is a difference maker with that team in that way, and so if it was one of the two one year contract and both probably walk, let's say before two thousand and twenty two, I'm going with Cruz. I am too. I would I would roll the dice. I think he's been a three hundred hitter too. That's not it's not like you see some of these guys. You know when when it comes to aging hitters. The one thing you do want to look out for is if a guy's batting average starts to really drop, and batting average is, is one of the most overrated baseball statistics because it doesn't doesn't capture the two most important things, which are getting on base and also driving runs and in volume, getting on base in volume, which is slugging percentage, doubles, triples, home runs, right? Sure. And so uh, not to say it's, it's irrelevant, but I think when you see older hitters take big plunges in batting average, it usually means their bat speed is slowing down and they're not able to you know, get those extra 20 to 25 hits uh, up the middle opposite field. They're just selling out for power. And when you start selling out for power, that's how you become. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of older examples. Jim Tomey really didn't turn into it. David Ortiz. But like we've seen it where like old hitters start to sell out for power. He hasn't had to do that yet. He still has lightning quick hands and forearms. And I don't think those go away for 2021 in a win now window. Yep. So um, I would I would lean Nelly and I would look to 
if, if you had to make that choice, and I would look to put Alex Kirloff in Eddie Rosario's spot, and you might find, much like the Vikings, they decided they had to move on from Stefan Diggs. A little bit apples to oranges. But they move on from Stefan Diggs, and they bring in Justin Jefferson. And as we talked about on, I think, yesterday's or the day before Purple Daily, you don't miss Stefan Diggs at all because Justin Jefferson's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Alex Kirloff is that type of a talent where not only if he clicks right away, might you not miss Eddie Rosario, you might actually upgrade from Eddie Rosario for a lot less money. So, boys, that was a... Uh, so I say yes. I say yes. He's gone. I think he's Not gone too. I, I think he's gone too. I think he's gone too. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this uh, this who says no. On I a gave weekly your bill check to the Vikings. That was amazing. Nice job. I've been thinking about it for two weeks. Nice job by you. I've got a Daniil Hunter related trade from a listener that we can get to next week. Ooh, we'll just tease that one. And it involves Trevor Lawrence. Just gonna throw it out there. Just gonna throw it out there. All right, we'll get to that one. We'll we'll put that in our bag for next week. All right, tell all your friends about all the right. Mackie and Judd show. Reckless speculation, who says no? And be sure to check out our Daily Vikings discussions, too, on the Purple Daily Podcast, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. We'll see you guys. It's it's already Action Movie Rewind Friday tomorrow. Watch the last night. Beverly Hills Cop. Watch the last night. That's what won the vote. We're putting up four movies every week for votes, and we're close voting you guys. It's a very close vote. It was a very close vote. I think uh, I think a couple people called for a, a recall, a recount. Between what was the movie Declan shows again? Night's a Knight's Tale. Tale. A Knight's Tale was off to an early lead mm-hmm. for like the first two hours. Yeah, and then and then the Beverly Hills Cop votes. No came competition for Mister Axel votes. Foley. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Count all the votes. Axel Foley, man, he comes through every time. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow.